0: Excellence Expected, the inspirational business advice podcast. Hey, hey, hey guys, welcome to Excellence Expected and wow, what a treat we have for you today. This is The big episode 150, 150 episodes later, you are still tuning in. So, thank you so, so much. That means a heck of a lot to me and to everyone involved with the show. So, seriously, thank you so much. Now, let me ask you a question Can a subtle shift in your focus really make that big of a difference in your business and specifically to your income? Well, our guest today says absolutely a resounding yes. My guest today is actually the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total book sales of well over, well over a million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, has now sold over a half a million copies and has been translated into a massive 21 languages. It's now been been reissued in a new expanded edition with a foreword by Huffington Post founder and publisher, of course, Ariana Huffington. It gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to the show Mr. Bob Berg.
1: How are you, Bob? Great, Mark. It's fantastic to be with you.
0: That is a real pleasure on my part. So we're saying in the pre-interview chatter that uh, I've got a friend, Daniel Moore, who's been a guest on the show. is a massive fan of yours, Bob, and he was blown away Uh when we we said we were talking. So thank
1: you Uh, so much. That's very kind. Please send my regards to him.
0: I most certainly will. Thank you. And what a what a resume, sir. What a resume. I mean, in the book sales alone, that is a very, very successful, successful outlook for any author. And just before we dive into the show proper, I'd just like to dig a little bit further into your into your life really. So what what what's your background, Bob? Where did you what brought you to today?
1: Uh, began as a uh, broadcaster, first in radio, and then I was in television. I was a television uh, news anchor for a for a small ABC affiliate in the uh, in the Midwest United States. Uh, I really wasn't a journalist, though. I mean, I could read the news, but I, but I certainly wasn't a journalist. And so it wasn't long before I was not in in broadcasting anymore. But I did graduate into sales. And I floundered for the first few months because I I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't know anything about selling. And the company I began with, uh, well, let's just say their sales training was negligible at best. And so I kind of had to learn my own. Uh, But I'm not someone who's really good at inventing the wheel. And so, again, I I floundered. Fortunately, uh, while I was in a bookstore one day, I came across a book on unselling. It was by Tom Hopkins. The book was How to Master the Art of Selling, which today of course is a classic. This is probably 35 years ago I first read the book and I I was encouraged just by the title, How to Master the Art of Selling. I'm thinking, "What? There's an art to this? You know, there, there's actually a system for doing so." And and I found it very helpful and in just a few weeks my sales began to really uh, thrive. I began studying people like Zig Ziglar, who'd become a great hero of mine and others, anything I could get my hands on. So I really began to study sales, which is also studying personal development. But one of the big things about uh, learning how to sell, and and this is so important, is that I, I learned a system for doing so. And I think it's important for any entrepreneur to understand that there is most likely a system for succeeding in whatever you're doing. So you don't have to invent the wheel or reinvent the wheel. I, I define a system as simply the process uh, for predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. The key is predictability, in other words, if it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and do A continually and you'll get the desired result of B. So I think it's so important to follow, uh, to learn a system and then follow it. And as I did that and began to learn more and more, I became a sales manager or sales leader. And uh, it sort of morphed into a, uh, a career teaching sales and personal development which has been very fortunate for me since I get to to speak on my favorite topics and that's
0: certainly not a bad way to live your life is it speaking about what you absolutely love and there's something in there that you mentioned right at the beginning of that passage around sales being an art form and and that that's a really it's almost a, an epiphany when you realize something like that I would imagine how's how is that informed your wider entrepreneurial spirit this is kind of art form and how have you man- managed to marry that with something as logical as systems
1: oh you know that's a great question and it's one i've actually never been asked before i guess i've never given much thought to the fact that you know when that any type of let's say art because anything we do uh, anything that we create and so forth is, is art whether we 're talking about a literal artist or a a music composer, someone who writes books uh someone who who uh you know has a business doing accounting or what have you every you know everyone who has a skill is is practicing an art, and to me there 's no Natural separation or division in terms of being an artist or having in in art a marketable skill that can bring value to the marketplace and learning a skill set for selling and marketing it. I think they both go hand in hand.
0: And I, I I would I would feel that there's so many people that feel that they're mutually exclusive as well. Right. You, know, you you're either creative, and the word really is is in is in air quotes. The word creative mm-hmm. versus being a, for example the tag business development. You know, these feel like worlds apart, but you know, the example there is really, really valuable. I think people can toe that line and it's what makes a successful business, in my eyes, when you kind of, when you do marry the two together and you understand
1: where they, they both play a part. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, well, you know, you look at some of the, the most successful rock bands and when you really dig deep, I mean, these, many of these people are marketing experts. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I'm just trying to think. Kiss is a great uh, I- example of that. The the rock group uh, Kiss. Um, uh, Gene Stanley and, uh, oh, I, I'm trying to think of the name of the person, you know, the uh, other person we always associate. <laughs> and I'm just not thinking of his name right now. But these are fantastic marketing people. These are these are one we, we know that Madonna, who uh, consistently recreated herself. Uh, was a, a wonderful marketer. Lady Gaga today is, and and groups like you too, and, and you know many, and, and and here's the interesting thing: there are people with more musical talent than those uh, individuals and those those groups who have never gone anywhere. <laughs> you know, they yeah. were great at what they did. They had fantastic talent, but they they were not able to, or did not have the inclination to. Uh, or the motivation to go out and and market themselves.
0: That's such a good example, actually, Bob. The the the, the example that I immediately draw to, and this is given away one my age and two my quest- questionable musical tastes. <laughs> it's the 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 band from New Jersey, Bon Jovi. The um, oh, another one, yeah. Those guys are just a mar- especially John Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's just a marketing machine.
1: And Gee- sorry, go. on. No, Gene It just came to me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Gene Simmons is the person I was thinking about. With and I'm
0: kind of ashamed that I didn't get that. You know,
1: yeah, Bob. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. My, no, my, my fault. So so. But yes, you're right. Bon Jovi, you can name a whole bunch of them. I mean that they marketed themselves. And, and so I, I think for anyone to think that that's not the case, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 um, a difficult thing because they're going to say, well, gosh, I'm so good at what I do. Why aren't people beating a path to my door? Well, because there's a lot of people who are good at what at at what they do and, and good at what you do. No, we we need to be able to to go out proactively and attract uh our marketplace to us. And we need to and we need to, of course, do the work itself that that uh that does it. So uh yeah, I, I don't think it's a dichotomy at all. I think it's it's very natural, even though it may may seem to be one of those things. Well, well, it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> you know, I'm really great at what I do. They should just find me. But that's not the real world. So we can either we can either argue with it or uh, deny it, but we're not going to change it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you talk about, you know, sort of the, the natural course of things there as well, Bob. And one thing I just want to dig into is. You talk about specifically in the Go Giver, you talk about the entrepreneurial spirit, how that naturally flows through some people. And what I'd like to just ask you is what about those that aren't or don't necessarily see themselves as entrepreneurial? Does everything you talk about, everything you put out there in terms of content and everything you author, does that still apply? And specifically, the messages in, in the Go Giver, does that still apply to those people?
1: Well, you know, we think of entrepreneurs as being someone they took a risk, they started their own business, they wanted to be their own boss, knowing that when you're your own boss, you actually work for everyone who you're serving, right? Everyone in your company, everyone in your every one of your stakeholders, every one of your uh, customers. But but there's still nothing like being in business for yourself and entrepreneurs, people who have that. I'm, I'm one of them. I mean, you know, we know there's still nothing like having your own business. And certainly the the principles and the go giver apply to that, but they apply to anyone because anyone can be entrepreneurial, whether or not they've started their own business. You can be entrepreneurial within someone else's business. Uh, only instead of an entrepreneur, you're an intrapreneur. You're an entrepreneur within another. Uh, Organization, and that's fine. What we really mean when we say the entrepreneurial spirit uh, is someone who is focused on bringing value to whomever they're supposed to bring value to. So, uh, as an entrepreneur owning your own business you bring value to your your own team and ultimately to the the customer to the degree you bring value to them to the marketplace that's the degree with which you'll be financially rewarded and have a uh have a a, a successful business uh as an as an entrepreneur as a, an employee within someone's company you also have customers Only your customers are those people you work with, those people you report to. Ultimately, it's your it's your it's the owner of the company. And actually, more than that, ultimately, it's the end user right of that uh, whether or not they ever meet you. So it's still a matter of of constantly focused, being focused on bringing value to others. If you're trying to just get the most money in your paycheck for doing the least work. No, you're not entrepreneurial. Uh, but if you're always looking for ways to provide more and more value to the business itself, well, you're being an entrepreneur. You're just have, uh, happening to do it working within someone else's company.
0: The acceptance of that as well, Bob, that's a really great point, this, this whole movement of, of entrepreneurial spirit insofar as people want to be able to gain fulfillment through solving problems that they aren't handed mm-hmm. on a plate. Mm-hmm. But with the security, if you like, or the might of a business behind them, that, that was certainly in the past, it's felt to a degree that that was kind of a, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Like, the, you know, the whole point of being an entrepreneur is this big old badge of honor, which is failure and to fail, you've got to leave this safeguarded world. And, you know, that feels like that's changing, which I, for one, I, I really applaud that because it feels like so many people get an opportunity to, just do things and fulfill themselves in ways that they wouldn't have done before. Is that that certainly feels like the case in the UK? Does that does that feel like it applies over in the states as well?
1: Sure. Well, either if you even if you want to be an entrepreneur in the sense of starting your own business, uh, there's no reason you need to cut all ties with the current company for which you're working and go out and risk losing it all. I mean, uh, in fact, just the opposite. Adam Grant wrote a wonderful book called Originals that just came out. Uh Adam Grant is the author of the uh bestseller Give and Take, uh, that he wrote a few years ago. Uh, this one, Originals, is an absolutely fantastic book. And one of the things he talked about was, uh, and this is this was early on in the book, that we think of the, you know, the entrepreneur who again he cut or she cut all ties. They went out, they, you know, slept on the benches, or they slept in the on the street, or they, you know, they they put themselves in a horrible position. And then at the last minute, they all of a sudden struck it rich. That's not necessarily true at all. Uh, many hugely successful entrepreneurs uh, began their, their business, their enterprise part time. They did it early in the morning before work. They did it after their regular work. They did it at all different hours. They and, and they did. They were not necessarily the biggest risk takers at all, even though that's what we tend to think, right, of the entrepreneur. They were not necessarily risk takers. They did it in a very comfortable way uh, so that they were able to to not not be desperate for that, that buck that had to come in, you know, at the last minute or, or go out of business. So no, I agree with what you're saying. But while you're working for someone else, you still need to be entrepreneurial. You still need to always look for ways uh, to give more in value or use value to them uh, in exchange uh, for the check you're receiving.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's really, really well put as well there, Bob. I think that, that really applies. I think it will resonate with so many people that maybe feel like they need to make a jump, but actually don't know where to jump. It's actually, it's much less of a jump. It's yeah. I, just- I,
1: I enjoyed reading that in Adam's book because he gave some wonderful examples. And uh, it was, I think that was good for anyone who, who does think that that's what you have to do. It really, it really was eye opening
0: it's such a refreshing viewpoint that we'll get that yeah. book into the show notes as well. And speaking of books, of course, we've mentioned The Go-Giver and we, we've we sort of talked around the spirit within it, but let's just talk a little bit more on that. So what is the premise of the book? Where did it come from? And just tell us a little bit about what it actually does for people.
1: Well, the premise itself, because it's a, a parable, so it's a story. It was co-authored with the uh, fantastic writer, John David Mann. And the the premise is simply that shifting one's focus, and this is really the key, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others and understanding that doing this is not only a a nice way to conduct business, it's also a very financially profitable way to do business as well. And there's nothing, you know, la la or touchy feely about that. It it makes rational, logical sense. I often say when I speak at a sales conference, the first thing I'll say is, you know, nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet, right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money. They're not going to buy from you because you're a great person or you really think you have the best product in the world and you know it would really help them. No, they're not going to buy for any of those reasons. They're going to buy from you because they believe. Uh, it's in their best interests to do so. And that's fine. That's the only reason why anyone should buy from you or, or should buy from me. So when we operate out of a basically free market environment, uh, again, where no one's forced to, to buy from us or do business from us, what that means is we have to put our focus on them. It's not about us. If we go in there focused just on, on exchanging their money from from their pockets to ours, they're going to see that. They're going to feel that. And the, the trust is not going to be there. On the other hand, when we go in there uh, understanding that really what selling is, that selling can be defined appropriately as simply discovering what the other person wants, needs, or desires and helping them to get it and that our focus is on them. That's when uh, they're going to trust us, and that's when they're going to feel good about us, and that's when they're going to uh, be much more likely to feel that the the product or service is something they should have.
0: Do you know the word value is, is always very interesting to me? You know, as entrepreneurs, and this is to paraphrase to paraphrase Chris Ducker. You know that all, all the we're here to do is solve problems for people, which I think is a really nice kind of point of true north and obviously doing that through, through giving so much value. But mm-hmm. one of mm-hmm. the biggest challenges that then comes out of that conversation, certainly, I guess with early stage entrepreneurs, startups, and certainly people who may be coming from a bricks and mortar perspective where it's very transactional, the biggest challenge I often face when talking to people is, well, okay, how do I do that mm-hmm. without, one, it costing me money, and two, how can I do that? In what is actually such a competitive environment, have you got any thoughts on that
1: sure well and, and first let's let's kind of define value and look at what it really means because the word is used so much. I agree with you, you know value is always something that's that 's brought up all the time, and as you know we can we can all hear hear a certain word or a certain term, and based on our own individual belief systems, we might be defining it different ways so 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 the, I think it's first important to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a, uh, a dollar figure, or we might say a, a pound figure. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's finite. It simply is what it is. If you charge uh, 200 pounds for something, well, that's what you charge. That's that's the price uh, value, on the other hand is the relative worth or, or the desirability of something, of a thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, uh, this product or this service or this concept or this idea that brings with it to another person so much worth or, or value that they will willingly exchange their money for this value and you will, the seller will make a very healthy profit. Uh, we can take an example uh, of uh, uh, Ernesto, the, one of the characters in The Go-Giver, who owned a restaurant. And it was a very uh, high-end, high-class restaurant. And if you go in there, uh, you're, go- you're going to you know, pay a lot of money for a meal. Uh, but from the time you go in there, you're just treated like royalty. You know, from when you walk in and they open the door and they greet you and Sal, the maitre d', uh, brings you over to the table as a VIP, and you're greeted by several way of the wait staff, and and they know just when to pay attention to you and when to leave you alone to enjoy your meal. The ambiance is wonderful. Uh, the food is not only absolutely delicious, but the, the it's presented in a remarkable way. Everything about the. Experience experience itself is just wonderful. So, you know, when when you were through, you may have paid uh, 250 pounds for the, uh, the, the dinner, but you came away feeling like a million pounds. In other words, he gave you much more in value than what he took in payment. So you feel great about it. And of course, his cost of goods sold, including the food, including the upkeep, including staff, including maintenance, is a lot less than what he paid for it. So he made a very, very healthy profit. So both sides, of course, come out way ahead. But that's the difference between price and value. Now, the question, so how do I add more value? And by the way, whether you are in a bricks and mortars business, whether you're in an online business, the fact is, Technology has leveled off the playing field, so most products and services at this point are pretty much uh, equal. I mean everything works just about right at this point. most things work, and you can get them uh, you know you can get them pretty inexpensively, so what happens is if if you have a product or a service you're selling and you've got a whole bunch of competitors selling that same product or service and your buyer sees no significant difference in the product or service, uh, well, then what's it going to come down to? Who has the lowest price? Then you're in a very difficult situation because selling on low price, unless your last name is Walmart, is probably not a good idea and it's not a profitable idea when you sell on low price you're looked at as a commodity (laughs) now when you sell, and they will probably leave you for the next uh person who can who can give them that product or service at an even lower price so there's no customer loyalty right uh it's also not as fun way a way to make to run a business because you're not making a big enough profit to be able to enjoy you're having to total totally scramble for new business and able to cover uh, in order to cover costs so no we we don't want to have to do that so in order To be able to sell at a higher price, one that's going to work for you and for your customers, you've got to communicate additional value. Well, to do this, you must be that additional value. So the question is, how? How do I create additional value in this relationship and throughout the transaction? Well, there are probably hundreds of ways, Mark, to communicate this additional value, but they tend to come down to, to five, what we call elements of value. And these elements of value are excellence, which of course you know all about, excellence is expected, right? Excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that you're able to communicate one or more, hopefully all five of these elements in every touch point from the first time you meet someone through the process where they become a prospect and through the process where they become a customer and afterwards, that's when you're going to be able to totally take price out of the equation.
0: That's so powerful. Those, Those certain cornerstones, if you like, those five laws that you mentioned, how did you arrive at those what what brought you to each one of those and how how independently did they stack up to come together I'm curious about that kind of process
1: Well the five um uh the the five uh, elements of value that I just mentioned go along. Now, those just the five elements of value. There are also the, you know, the other the five laws of stratospheric success, which are excellence. Consi- uh, excuse me, which are value. The laws of value, uh, the law of compensation, the law of influence, the law of authenticity, and the law of receptivity. So, all five of the laws and all five of the elements of value within the law of value. Uh, they came to us through basically John's and my experiences in running businesses ourselves uh, as in being successful salespeople in the past. Uh, and, of course, in the many people we've studied, because really, when you think about it, none of these ideas that we've presented in the book are particularly original. Right. They've been around for as long as there have been market based economies and people have sold and people have bought and people have led. And so uh, it's really just a matter of sort of compiling and looking at what works and what doesn't. And our our aim was to just put this in a fun, enjoyable story so that people could take in these five laws and and be able to enjoy it while they were learning something they could immediately implement.
0: Fantastic, fantastic stuff. And Bob, let's just switch gear a second now. And so, excellence expected is all about actionable takeaways, helping people just take action in their business or their personal lives in the pursuit of that pillar of excellence. And what I'd love to do is just kind of distill from your mind three actionable takeaways that you can give people, perhaps as a little taster of the go-giver, to just help people understand what they can do today to move themselves forward in this area. So if you've got three tips that will help our listeners out there today,
1: Well, I I would say to start, and this isn't even one of the tips. This is just an overall start by taking action. Okay, start. You know, we want people to be go getters as well as go givers because go getters are people of action. It's not enough just to know the laws. We need to apply the laws. Uh, So we, we definitely want to take action, be a go getter as well as a go giver. Just don't be a go taker because a go taker is focused only on themselves. And that's not good life. And it's not good business. The three tips, if I was going to say three, it's one is learn from others. Uh, cut down your learning curve by, by learning from other people, whether it's books and CDs or videos on the Internet, uh, learning from great professionals like you, Mark, and, and always, always being a learner. Don't try and reinvent the wheel, which we which we discussed earlier. Learn from all others. Uh, second would be focus on providing value to others. Don't focus on the money. Don't get me wrong. Money is important. It's the lifeblood of the business. Money is is uh, what you need in order to stay in business. It's important, but it's not where your focus should be. If you want to make a lot of money, which is sounds paradoxical, paradoxical. But just like the person we talked about, who, uh, you know, focus, who focuses on providing value to that other person, understanding that that's what's going to more more than likely cause that person to want to do business with you. So we have a saying that I think is easy to remember, which, which I think will will serve as the second tip, and that is understand that money is an echo of value. The value must come first, and the, 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 the value must come first. The money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you have focused on providing. And then I would say as one other tip, Uh, Understand that Dale Carnegie truly had it right in his classic How to Win Friends and Influence People, where he said, ultimately, people will do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So in the sales process and the entrepreneurial process, we need to totally focus on what will move this person. And we do that not by telling them about our product or service, but by asking them about their 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 needs, their wants, their desires, uh, by discovering that in the asking question, uh, the question asking process.
0: That's fantastic. That is uh, the, the the entire point of money being an echo is just a complete game changer for me. I've never heard it articulated in such a way, and I've never heard it put so succinctly, but no, with thank you that impact. So I think that if there's any quotable from this episode, which I'm sure there's a million. That is the one that really stands out. So, Bob, that that's amazing. Thank you so, so much. And we're going to just you. pop a pin in that right now. We're coming up to 30 minutes, which which startles me because this feels like three or four minutes. Oh,
1: it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Oh, it's a real
0: pleasure. It's, it really is a pleasure. And just before we do put a pin in it, Bob, where can people, number one, find you online? And number two, get a copy of the book.
1: Okay, Well, they could visit it, com. Uh, that's my personal business website. Uh, however, that what they might want to do is visit the giver.com, dot com and that's go giver without a, a hyphen. So it's just the go giver as one word dot com. And while they're there, they can uh, get chapter one of the go giver to see if they like it. Uh, they can also check out our new book, uh, which is called the go giver leader, which is another business parable set in the same fictional town as the go giver. Uh, They can also check out my new The Go-Giver podcast if they'd like. So there's a a bunch of stuff there. So I just invite people to uh, come over and hang around for a while, have some fun.
0: That's fantastic. Guys, go hang out with Bob. Seriously, you are not going to get a better invitation today than that one. Please check it (laughs) out, thegogiver.com. Bob, thank you so much. That's been a real, real pleasure, sir.
1: Mark, my absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you. No, it is all the best, sir. All the best. And guys, thank you. I can't believe this. This is episode one hundred and fifty. Thank wow. you so, so much. Bob, it's unbelievable, isn't it, that people tune in every week to listen to us sat behind a microphone. Well, well it
1: it shows you're adding a lot of value, Mark. That's what it that's what it shows.
0: Well, thank and- you, sir. I appreciate that. And I do appreciate you guys listening. As ever, there are gonna be all sorts of resources, including the show notes from this fantastic interview with Bob over at excellence-expected.com. And as I'm recording this on the 24th of March, 2016, there are big changes afoot, both for the podcast, for the brand, and for the website at Excellence Expected. So keep your eyes peeled, guys. There's going to be a change coming. And don't forget, until next time, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will excel. Adios.